Hello and welcome to another New Model Advisor podcast. I'm Ollie Smith, online producer here at NMA, and this week we'll be hearing from an advisor who advises another advisor. Does that make sense? Don't worry, it will. My two guests have been regular contributors to our magazine over the years. They are Chris Budd, Chairman of Ovation Finance, and Pete Matthew, Managing Director of Jackson Wealth. Uh, Pete is also an award-winning podcaster and video blogger himself, so he's uh, very familiar with with this sort of setup. and as if that was not enough, he is also Chris's advisor. So today we're here to talk about, about that and what that's like and how it works. Um, but if it's okay, I'll start with you, Chris. You yourself are a financial advisor. Why did you decide that you needed a financial advisor? Well, I have a theory that, um, you know, I've been talking about coaching skills for advisors for quite a few years now. Just a and, few. <laughs> and one of the reasons for that is that I don't believe one is able to challenge one's own assumptions mm-hmm. so if i wanted to work out what i think my future might look like i'm going to need somebody else to help tease that out of me because otherwise okay. i'm just going to come up with the same old stuff that i've been going up for years and nothing's going to change sure um, so that's one thing also wanted to get my wife involved um and again we can't really have those conversations we needed a third party to facilitate them okay that's very interesting um what you're getting at, I believe, is something to do with behavioural biases, uh, isn't it? Because you're saying, you know, humans are imperfect, they need, uh, you know, outside input to sort of tease out what they need from their lives and to keep them on the right path. Do you think there are any specific behavioural biases that you display as a person that you've identified in yourself? For instance, are you a very kind of, um, for instance, a sheep mentality person where you go with the crowd a lot? Or are you sort of stubbornly um, cautious with money? Or is there anything that you've identified as, as a result of this process? I think I've identified hundreds of things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> could you name one? I'm sure Pete could, could, could come in. Actually, we should get my wife on. She'll give you even yeah, more. Yeah, she I would. Suspect. She would. <laughs> um, I guess. So, so there was a particular thing that 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 made me start this process, which was uh, I've been working towards the sale of my business for the last seven years, specifically towards, and I felt that this was one of the steps, and I needed mm. to work out that classic question: how much is enough? Yeah. So I needed to work out at what point in time the business was going to be able to be sold to give me as much as I needed. Mm. So I realize that's not quite a behavioral bias, but that was the thing that drove me into the arms of a, another financial mm. advisor, I guess. Yeah. Pete, what areas of Chris's financial life do you actually advise on? Are there any limits or is it is it everything? Do you know what, Ollie? I think it might make sense to answer that question by giving you the story about how Chris and I ended up working together. I promise it's relevant. Are you happy for us to do that? Absolutely. Chris, do you want to sort of, sort of start that off and maybe I'll pick it it up. So, um, I DM'd a mutual acquaintance friend of ours, a guy called Richard Allen, who many will know from the Power Planner. Yep. And I asked Richard to put out a tweet to his many, many thousands of Twitter followers, many, if not most, if not all of which will be financial advisors, saying, I have somebody who wants to find a financial planner, but they don't have any assets to invest. Okay. Wants to pay for a financial plan, but has no assets to invest. And of all the five and a half thousand followers, he got two responses. One, really? one was Ian Els from Ovation, <laughs> and the other one was Pete. <laughs> okay. So quite clearly, I wasn't going to use one of my own employees. 
That's an amazing story. From a very long list of one, Pete got the job. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's um, my kind of beauty parade. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> so, you know, we, it's funny how it comes out, because then Chris sort of DM'd then and said, hi, it was me, because obviously the purpose of putting it through Richard was that it was anonymous, really. So yeah, Richard yeah. put it out. Behavioral biases. Yeah, exactly. I have a person who needs. And, of course, then Chris said, Actually, Pete, it was me because Chris and I have followed each other for uh, for years on uh, on Twitter, and we sort of uh, know a lot about each, what we each other do and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, he sort of put his hands up and said, "Actually, that was me. What about it?" And so we had a conversation, and then uh, I went up and um, met Susie as well, and uh, it started there really. So to answer your question, only uh, actually, Pete, if oh, I sorry. Just inter- your, yep. your, your initial reaction was, "Oh Christ." Was it? <laughs> yeah. What have I let myself in for? You're probably right. Well, not least because very shortly before that, I'd been on your coaching course. So I'm thinking, oh my God, now talk about now putting it into practice. You know, in with... fact, didn't you come to see us the on your way back home following the course? Yes, that you're, day, you're right. Yeah, it was. So I'd had this pretty intense day, you know, learning and sort of trying to refine the skills of questioning and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I was fried. It was about five o'clock, wasn't it, Chris? I think I'd driven from quiver to your place to meet you and Susie and uh, then I had to uh, I'm suddenly intensely aware that I'm sort of sitting at the feet of the master really and thinking now I've got to ask wow. intelligent questions uh, when I'm knackered and I've got a four-hour drive ahead of me to, to drive home but uh, it, that was an initial get to know you session wasn't it really Chris and uh, it's okay. well, how long ago is that now two three years ago yeah, it must be at least. At yeah, least, yeah. yeah. Time goes, doesn't it? So I don't. I wouldn't say that um, anything is sort of out of bounds. You know, Chris okay. and Susie have been incredibly uh, candid, which is essential, obviously, for a, for a, a meaningful financial planning conversation. You like that word, don't you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I should build a brand on it. Um, I'll write that down a minute. Hang on. Um, so yeah, it's been a great um, great relationship, and no, they haven't sort of held anything back. They've been very uh, very much open kimono. <laughs> Another great phrase. Um, that that's a that's a perfect way to segue on to the the, the next question. Um, Chris, when you opened the kimono, what was that like as a as a kind of client in a way on the other end of the experience? Was that very strange? Uh, no, actually, I, I embraced it. I enjoyed it because really? um, being a coach. And having been coached, you know, I've engaged several different coaches over the years. I'm quite an open-hearted guy. You know, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't find it very difficult to to speak truthfully about, about life. Um, many would okay. say perhaps I should do a little less. But anyway, um, so the opportunity, you know, we all love the chance to talk about ourselves, don't we? Oh, come on. Um, and there's yeah. some poor sap who's being paid to sit there and listen to me. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> um, but what was also really useful was... There's a conversation that my wife and I were having, which we never have together. Mm. Okay. And for all Pete's modesty, he did really, really well at that coaching stuff. I was checking. I was waiting for the why question <laughs> that didn't come. Yeah. But he did really, really well. And he got us talking and thinking about stuff, and particularly my wife thinking about stuff that we've not thought about before. Okay. Like what? Uh, what we want our life to look like. Yeah, Okay long term yeah if we could choose a life what would it look like and it's not complicated for us you know we have no desires to be massively rich um i'll I'll share with you that it's around things like city breaks and going for example to uh see a concert in verona in the Colosseum, something along those lines that's the sort of stuff that that we would like to do a bit more of and that's what 
what Pete was then able to elicit from us and then build with, with the cash flow modelling. Mm -hmm. Okay. So cash flow modelling was part of it? Oh, yeah, um, f fundamental, yeah. Fundamental. Um, you said that, uh, Chris, you said that Pete is paid there to sit, to, uh, to sit and listen to you. Um, do you have a kind of formal contractual agreement? And, uh, you know, uh, how much money does change hands? Is it mates' rates? Is it, uh, do you pay Pete as you would any other, as he would receive money for, as he would from any other client? Or how does that work? There is definitely a contractual agreement that yeah. he's not allowed to leave until I finish talking. That's absolutely <laughs> for sure. And yes, okay. Chris pays the same as any other client would pay. I've always been, I mean, the fact that I answered okay. that tweet, really, <laughs> is, um, you know, yeah. perhaps makes me somewhat unusual. Either that or I just wasn't doing anything else and I happen to be sitting in front of Twitter like I am far too much these days. But, um, you know, clearly it interested me because the bit of the job that I love is the planning and the client, the, the personal side, if you like. So it, it, was a, it was a natural fit. But no, Chris doesn't get any special rates. In fact, he's extremely insistent on that. I was uh, more than happy to suggest, look, let's just sort of do this and we'll help each other out and stuff like that and uh, he was very clear that no this needs to be a proper agreement which is dead right of course because then everybody knows where they stand so it's worked really well okay well, can i just pick up on that bit that we mentioned at the beginning because i think it's a really interesting point i uh, you know the fact that there were only two people who were willing to take on a client with no assets under management this is this is really common i would suspect of all the people listening to this podcast i would be surprised if hardly any of them would have said yes to that client. Mm. And I just don't get that. It just mystifies me why we are so obsessed with hoovering up fund under management. The mm. fun part of the job is the financial planning, is yeah. the helping people work, they want to work out what they want from life. Um, for me, the boring part of the job, as both a client and an advisor, is the investment. It doesn't mm. interest me in the slightest. Now, of course, if you can get half a million at 1% and not do a great deal for it, yeah, you're just going to turn it down. But a client without funds under management, A, can still be profitable mm. because you charge them an hourly rate or you charge them a fixed fee for a fixed amount of work, yeah. um, and that can be profitable time. But also, B, who knows what else they're going to bring along to you? Yeah, yeah. Coming into funds under management later date, telling other people about you, etc., etc. Yeah. So I just do not understand why advisors won't take on people if they don't have funds under management. Mm. There's got to be a way, hasn't there, of coming up with some agreement uh, that that works for all parties. Just to sort of add to that, Ollie, I've got, because of Meaningful Money, I've attracted lots of extremely competent DIY clients so they're doing their own investing uh, they're doing in some cases their own planning and doing it very well these very often are very senior folks in not just financial occupations but very senior very bright uh, very experienced people and they're saying Pete what I need from you is a, a sort of second opinion in the first instance or a kind of a mm. sense check of sense my own check. things yeah. and that's worked really well the key example of that is I have a client who was a board director of a massive international insurance company. So this guy, no, I mean, he was <laughs> he was compliance director, so this guy's a lawyer, right? So I'm quaking in my boots the first time. I got referred to him uh, by Tom Sheridan of 7IM, chief executive of 7IM. So I was referred to this guy. Wow. And uh, I'm in there, <laughs> within 10 minutes of the conversation starting, I said, Stuart, you don't need me. You know, you've forgotten more about financial services. And he has a mind, the, a brain the size of a planet. I said, why am 
am I here? And he said, you are here because you will help me facilitate conversations between myself and my wife because she's fed up with me <laughs> sort of trying to uh, steer her. His wife is equally intelligent and um, just mm. as opinionated. And so I'm acting as a kind of uh, go-between and um, uh, like just an independent third party so that in between our meetings, they can forget about it and just get on with being husband and wife. And mm. um, they pay me very well for that works well mm. so it's all about having a focus on where you actually provide value yeah i think people certainly those kind of clients intrinsically understand that they're generally very busy and so if they can carve out an hour to 90 minutes with me once every six months and that then frees them up not to have to worry about it the rest of the time then that's good value for them mm. lots of the clients that have come to me through meaningful money where i haven't taken on assets um, each client's slightly different. You know, some of them are saying, look, Pete, can I pay you a retainer? And then project fees. I'm still working a lot of this stuff out, I have to say. So, you know, uh, Chris mm. is sort of one way that we do it where it's sort of, sort of ad hoc project type stuff, really. But then uh, it's a sort of hourly rate for our regular updates. So every client is different. I just think there's got to be a way that you can be profitable for mm. clients where you're not managing assets. Yeah. Well, the, the way that we do at Innovation is by the hourly rate. And again, I find it amazing that so few other people log and track their time and charge their time. Um, every chargeable hour we sell is um, is an hour that is profitable. Mm. So we charge a retainer fee and we charge an hourly rate. We will give estimated fees, um, which are kind of fixed fees, but a bit more truthful about it. <laughs> um, and it means that, that that every hour is a profitable hour. So funds under management is profitable. Uh, financial planning is profitable. Tax planning is It's all profitable stuff. Mm. Chris, you say that the investment bit is really sort of boring part of the job. Um, do you guys have um, differing approaches to investment, uh, different investment philosophies? Uh, is that something that where you've been advising Chris, Pete, you've had to negotiate or um, you've had differing opinions? Uh, uh, no, you, Chris, I'll, I'll you answer that because yeah, yeah. I don't have any money. <laughs> That's okay. quite true. <laughs> so um, there is nothing for Pete to manage. So there is no investment element to our relationship. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I mean it, it's a bit, but I, it's as simple as that. Yeah, it's simple as that. So we haven't had a chance to have a disagreement about that yet. <laughs> um, but what I would come on to is is what has changed for me as a result of using an advisor. Would that be a good question for you to ask, Ollie? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's uh, that's the next question on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> just amazing work there, Chris. So, um, what what I've sold my business as a result of the advice that Pete's given me, and it enabled me to work out that how much is enough. Hmm. enabled me to work out a date that my business was going to get an independent valuation, which would be that figure, and then enabled me to carry on with the process of actually selling the business to the Employee Ownership Trust, which is what we, we completed hmm. a few weeks ago. So it has been, uh, I wouldn't say life-changing, because I was already on that path. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the path didn't deviate, but it confirmed the path and gave yeah. me a set timings and uh, and allowed me to do these things. Yeah. But it only we were only able to do that because Pete was able to help us challenge our assumptions and work out you know how much is enough is is sounds easy, but actually you've got to work out what you want from life first. Mm. Come on, Pete, chip in there. What was there an assumption there that you challenged that you thought, oh my gosh. 
They've been assuming that all along. No, because I mean, in my experience, most people don't massively want to change their lifestyle. You know, if you mm, okay. sort of approach a client and say, right, okay, yes, you can do that. Yes, you can sell your business now, but I'm afraid you're going to have to reduce your lifestyle by 40%. Nobody's going to sort of be massively pleased with that diagnosis. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's rather than sort of challenging assumptions, I, I like to sort of try and start with people where they're at right now. I think we all okay. like the, the idea of when we retire, whatever that means, we'll basically just carry on living as we are, enjoying the fruits uh, or the, you know, the experiences that we're able to pay for, even if there's not an income coming in per se. Yeah. You don't want to have to switch from gold top milk in the supermarket to red top. No, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Perish the thought. Good grief. You know, what are we, cave people? Um, so, you know, it's, so I think it wasn't so much about assumptions. It was about, right, how, based on this starting point, what life is like for Chris and Susie now, what they might want to add, uh, do differently, take some stuff away as time opens up for them in future as they both sort of stop working. I mean, uh, Christian, you're certainly not retiring anytime soon, but you know, as life takes a slightly different turn and we, we sort of take that as a starting point really. So rather than saying, well, wh what will life be like if you do X? It's like, okay, well, how, what does X need to be in order to maintain the lifestyle that you want and you know, your future plans? It's a subtle but important difference there. But I think it's an easier sell for a planner if you can say, look, actually, the numbers do stack up or you're going to have to put it back so many years or whatever. Start with mm. where they are now, I think. Yeah, I would slightly disagree with you there, actually, Pete, if I may be so bold. Of course you may, um, mate. That's why we have such a lovely relationship. <laughs> um, all right, you stupid idiot. You're completely wrong. Um, <laughs> I see, I think you did challenge some of our assumptions because um, Susie and I, as people, tend to be quite accepting of what happens. You know, um, I'm mm. rubbish at DIY, and so uh, we just, you know, if something breaks, we just kind of leave it until my brother comes around one day and I remember to get him to fix it. You know, so we just, we're not the sort of people that, that everything's got to be perfect. Yeah. And what that means is you can sometimes just fall into plodding through life if you're not mm. careful. Yeah, settling for less. Yeah, or just what you have, or what about you know? Well, what you did, Pete, um, is you you solidified what a few things might be able to be possible, okay. so to speak. Um, and Susie and I had not had those conversations because we're not that sort of those sort of people. But there was a bit of wow, could we really? Is that possible? Yeah, okay. I wonder if you could you could you model that and tell me if I can do those things because that'd be quite fun. Okay. Um, so so there was an element of of challenging assumptions, even though it was on a fairly uh, subtle basis. That's fascinating and and clearly an absolutely stunning review for you, Pete. Um, if I get sort of twenty advisors around the country saying, "Hey, Pete, <laughs> I'm not sure I need any more financial advisors as clients." Chris is a dream. He's effortless as far as I'm concerned, but I'm really busy. So don't get into it. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything, Pete, that you and Chris have agreed that you will not advise on? Uh, like, I don't know, the sale of property or, um, I don't know, house move, you know, wills, probate, you know, who, who knows? Is there anything that you've said, whatever we're doing, it's not that? I don't think so, Chris. Is there? I don't think you could have a proper relationship no. if you do. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not come up particularly. Um, you know, Pete's, Pete's missed all sorts of buying signals over the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> we could have pro, we could have um, wills by now, all sorts of things. But but no, he's not he's not picked up on it. I don't know why. Um, okay. 
but no, I, I wouldn't put anything off the table. I don't think you can you can um, be a proper client, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. if you try and keep things off the table. That's just pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did. Um, I did. Uh, I just must mention a comment on. Uh, I'm sure it was your website uh, where I made. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it was talking about challenging assumptions. And this chap took issue with me, and said, "Absolute rubbish." I advise myself, and I'm perfectly able to challenge my own assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, what a ridiculous comment! <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'd, I'm infallible, and how, how dare you suggest that I'm not? Yes, exactly. um, this is a thorny issue. Uh, I have to ask because it is a thorny issue. Uh, Pete, I don't suppose you've ever done a DB transfer for Chris, have you? Has that been part of the mix? Absolutely not. You've not? Come on, okay. Pete, let's pretend it was. Yeah, he did, actually. Yeah. I, I was yeah. in Thorn AMI for 30 years, and he transferred <laughs> me out. Yeah, yeah. Critical yield of 30%. No sweat. We can justify that. It's all about, <laughs> it's all about the death benefits. <laughs> And you've not, I you know, you haven't, clearly you're really good mates and you, I take it you haven't had a falling out over anything yet. No, um, we, we are good mates. I've, I've got deepest respect for Chris. He's unusual in all the positive sense of that word in our profession. And I've been, yeah, it's been a real privilege for me to watch some of the thought process and the uh, the wrangling, you know, about the, the massive uh, transition that Chris is, has begun mm. now with the sale of uh, the Ovation Stake to the Employee Ownership Trust. Obviously, to see that from his and Susie's personal point of view um, it has been great. It's been really interesting. But I've got as much value uh, out of that, watching that and seeing that develop and hearing Chris's rationale for doing that. So that's something that I can see in future might uh, happen uh, here at Jackson's. So, mm. you know, it, it's, we certainly haven't disagreed everything. I've got utmost respect for him. We are great mates. We laugh a lot. And, um, yeah, I still don't think he ever listens to my podcast, though. <laughs> oh, man. That's a low blow. <laughs> I disagree, Ollie. I, I think we've disagreed lots of times, and I think uh, Pete's stupid for saying that. I don't know why he said it. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Actually, a, a serious point. Um, the the point that he just made there about um, so the business, Pete uh, was one of the first people I shared my plans with. Okay, and this goes back to your question a little while ago, Ollie. About uh, is there anything that's that's not discussable, so to speak? Mm, and um, the table. Yeah, um, and and so I was sharing Pete's plan, uh, my plans with Pete, because a I felt if he was building a model of my future, he needed to know absolutely everything about that future. Yeah, uh, but also I was I valued his his response, um, and mm. I valued his input into the plans for the business. So uh, I, why? Um, have such a a close relationship with an advisor to then hide things doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Better to get all the, to to hoover in all of the um, advice you can get from all the clever, intelligent people that you hire, um, and, and share everything with them. And that's just that's a really good example of it. Mm. Pete, can you talk me through? Um, I, I'm specifically asking you because I, I don't want Chris to simplify this. I'm sure he's explained it a million times already. Um, can you talk me through the process of, you know, the the, um, the sale of of Asian finance? You know, from the advisor's perspective, you know, what was step one? What was step two? What was the first hurdle? What was the sort of frustration? Okay, talk so me the, well, the the process of transfer and Chris, you can jump in if I get this wrong, okay? Because bear in mind, my perspective has been. Uh, Chris's household, not his business, okay? Sure, so sure. I've been building a plan of his household, income and outgoings, future wealth, all that sort of stuff. So 
I, I'm obviously party to the figures, and we put them into the model, uh, built some scenarios, stuff like that. Um, essentially, you have to sell a controlling stake into the employee ownership trust. That can be done over time. So there's a kind of, uh, it's paid for out of future profits, if you like. So obviously, uh, that's a potential risk for Chris uh, if those yeah. profits don't materialize. So obviously, we have to model that sort of stuff. Or, you know, what happens if the future is not quite as rosy as we hope it's going to be? Yep. Um, so that happens over a period of time. The EOT has to have a controlling stake, but in the process, uh, it's very tax efficient uh, for Chris and Susie. So um, that's like the nutshell of the, the mechanism of it. My uh, part of that has been to plug those numbers at the various points in future where they happen, uh, because that's all um, laid out in a schedule of payments over time. And, you know, obviously we know what Chris and Susie spend, uh, which is way too much, obviously. Um, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you know, gold top milk. Yeah, I mean. absolutely. Yeah, it's a killer on the budget. But you know what I mean? It's a gold so, top guitar, that's the problem. Yeah, so as far as process is concerned. I totally sympathize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's guitars. That's the weakness, isn't it? And uh, sort of pop culture memorabilia. So it's, um, you know, it, the process is, I'm thinking about doing this, Pete. It will look something like this. Let's plug it in. And then as the process and the numbers became more refined as it approached the point of sale, then we continually refined the model. Chris would get in touch and say, I just need to tweak this, tweak this. How does it look? We'd jump on a quick Skype call. I'd share the screen. We'd build it. It's great because obviously I'm talking with somebody who knows what he's doing. So uh, mm. he can challenge uh, me. I can challenge him. So it's been, it's been a, yeah, a useful process. But Chris, you got anything else to add to that? Uh, I guess one particular thing about me knowing what I'm doing, I deliberately tried to forget that I knew what I was doing when, when you were working with me because I didn't want to challenge what you were doing. I wanted to just focus on the output of it. Mm. So I would That's recommend everybody should be getting financial planning advice, including financial planners. But if you do and when you do, don't be a smarty pants. Don't go in and say, oh, actually, I think you'll find you could do that. Just submit yourself to the process. Mm. Well, you've just anticipated my next question, which is, you know, would you would you recommend this setup to other advisors? I mean, I was thinking, you know, clearly, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't use Pete. This is just a one off. Um, clearly, this is a setup that works. Uh, in this case, but you know, it's um, joking aside. You know, it's a job. You know, it's it's serious and it involves um, serious planning and serious thinking. Do you have any advice for advisors who want to get another advisor to advise them? Uh, <laughs> bit of a mouthful of a question, I appreciate. But is it you know, is there sort of a, a warning or something that you wish you'd known, Chris, before you started this process that you would, you know, highlight for other advisors going through it? Yes. Um... I'm going to bring out my biases to how I think financial planners should work here. But I suppose if you're looking for somebody, what is it you actually want of them? Mm. Um, if you want someone to manage your investments, well, yeah, you probably can do that yourself, can't you? Let's be honest. Um, but maybe you're too busy and you want someone to just take that off you. Well, that's fine. And get somebody who's got a good investment department. But mm. um, probably, probably if you want somebody else to advise you, it's probably because you want some form of clarity over the future, some sort of financial planning, in which case I would say it's essential you get somebody who's got coaching skills and training behind them. From my perspective in this case, obviously, as the, as the advisor, uh, Chris said just a second ago that he intentionally 
tries to put the fact that he knows what he's doing to one side. That, um, apart from anything else, that requires a character trait which is very often uh, absent in the sort of alpha personality that very often advisors uh, uh, display, and that's humility. It's very, mm. uh, it's a big ask to expose your finances to somebody. Firstly, Chris and I knew each other before, so I'm a mate. Okay, we've got a lot closer since doing this process, obviously. So that takes something anyway. And that's an important fact for us to remember when we deal with our clients. I think we sometimes forget what a big deal it is for clients to open up mm -hmm. about money to us. Yeah. So Chris was able to do that. He displayed the, the, the humility and the uh, willingness to do that. Because otherwise, what's the point? You know, it's never going to be a productive relationship if the client is constantly, uh, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. You, you know, you've got to... I think you've got to be willing to take the advice as well, which is perhaps even more challenging. Um, mm. You know, this, yeah, I, I think that's that's the sort of crucial point, really. You've got to be willing at least to listen and to act on the advice uh, where necessary, which is mm. not an easy thing to ask. <laughs> it sounds like there might be some uncomfortable truths that people have to listen to. Can you think, was, was there a moment, Chris, where you realised that there was an uncomfortable truth about... Uh, you know the way that things had been run, or just a, you know something that you had just put off for ages, or um, you know a, as we were saying earlier, behavioural trait. Term. So you're looking for an uncomfortable truth. That yeah. Is well, you thought not so you... uncomfortable that I wouldn't admit it on a podcast going out to thousands of financial <laughs> advisors. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, Chris. Uh, that's exactly what I'm asking. I'm asking you to do the impossible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I'll play. Um, I have made the same mistake that I have criticized clients for for years. Okay. I have said that my business is my pension. Okay. And as a pensions man through and through, uh, I've always I've hated that expression. I thought it's a yeah. stupid expression because it means that one day I'm going to sell my business for loads of money. And uh, I am not a wealthy man. I don't have loads of money squirreled away. I've put all my money into building up a business. That's why I've, um, maybe you could say I'm fortunate, but I've found a way to release that value with the Employee Ownership Trust, mm. um, which is all, it's all worked out well in the end, as they say. But um, when I first approached uh, Pete, there was an element of thinking, oh God, I'm just going to go along and say, I've just done the same thing that I tell people you're an idiot for, for donkey's years, and he's going to see straight through it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah, but I'm... <laughs> do you do that, Pete? Do you tell people that your business is your pension? Oh, well, yeah, I can hear myself saying it, but I, I'm also equally scathing when other people say it. So, yeah, I, I have said that, but, you know, I do, and the, the business pays into a pension for me. Um, I'm also loads younger than Chris, obviously, so i got time, but... Um, <laughs> Overall... Uh, Chris, how would you how would you describe Pete as a financial advisor? You know, what's his, what's what if you had to use three words to describe his approach? What would it be? Cheerful. Cheerful. <laughs> how how much can I damn him by faint praise here? Yeah, um, yeah. quite nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's willing to travel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, so seriously, um, he has been really, uh, 
Am I allowed to say a rude word? It's not really rude, just a little rude. You just be honest as as honest as you want. It gives a shit. Yeah. Okay. And that's yeah, yeah. massively important. Um, yeah. He genuinely gives a shit. He cares, and he has been a really supportive in some major decisions that I've had to make. So supportive. There you go. That's your word. Supportive. Um, he's been analytical. Mm. Um, not necessarily in a technical uh, tax or pension sense, because no. it hasn't needed to be, but in the cash flow sense. Mm. Okay. Um, and, oh, what would be the third word? Uh, I, there's something about about the coaching skills. So so good at listening. Something something along those lines, you know. Mm, uh, okay. He has he has taken on the training well. You know, young Jedi. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. You know that Pete gives a shit. Um, those are the those are the precise words of uh, some of the next gen guys, Rohan and Adam, that we've also spoken to recently. Um, you know, they they said that that's what they're their kind of community of, of younger advisors is all about. It's a, a collection of people who really care. Um, is, there, is there any scope in the future for you knocking heads together and saying, well, look, you know, you guys need to start advising each other, you know, as you go through your lives. And it's a bit of a different story because they're younger and, they're, you know, they're, in some cases they're at the beginning of certain stories rather than towards the end of, you know, the realising the value in a business. Um, but, you know... What would be your message to the next gen lot? I mean, so much the better. You know, if you can begin the relationship early on in your wealth building career, then, you know, you're less likely to um, need too much radical intervention um, later on, you know? Mm, that's uh, Yeah, that's, that's great. I think we'll wrap up there, if that's okay. Um, guys, I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you today. I really, really appreciate your the efforts you've made to put up with my... Um, technical uh, incompetence um, as regards our remote uh, local recording uh, has gone. Um, so enormous thanks from the team here for, uh, for doing that uh, for us. Um, that's all that we've got time for this week. Um, don't forget to subscribe to New Model Advisor podcast on iTunes. You can just search New Model Advisor and uh, do also leave us a review if you like what we do and you can keep up to date with various updates on what we're doing in the magazine online and indeed in the podcast too by searching and following us on Twitter. The handle is at New Model Advisor. Thanks very much and see you again next week. <laughs>